Welcome to Great Points, financial insights for improving your relationship with money. I'm Matt Schroeder, Certified Financial Planner and Director of Financial Planning at Great Point Wealth Advisors, a fee-only registered investment advisory firm with offices in Boston and Danvers, Massachusetts. In today's episode that I'm calling, hey, put that back, we're going to talk a little bit about how a FOMO lifestyle uh, can sometimes clash with the traditional view of financial planning and also identify kind of the eight areas of financial expenditures that I've observed over my 20 years in the industry where clients sometimes tend to overindulge but also can lead to some of the larger uh, buyer's remorse issues uh, that I've experienced in, in talking with clients. So let's start with a scenario where I've seen time and time again when talking with clients. Um, when we start talking about the client's house, they start explaining to how you know they ended up with this beautiful four-bedroom house. Um, when they originally started looking, they were looking for three bedrooms and they didn't necessarily need you know the extra space. But you know what? In thinking about it, they wanted to make sure they had the extra space instead in case guests came over or a friend of theirs had just bought a house in the same neighborhood and they really wanted to have it. Um, and then we start talking about their car expenditures and, you know, they've comes to find out that they went to sh- shop for a reasonable car and they bought, uh, you know, what seemed like a reasonable car, but they ended up with a limited version because they, they wanted to make sure they had the leather seats and the better sound system and they needed a few of the extra safety features just in case, um, you know, they, they got into a tough spot. And then as we start talking about hobbies and interests, uh, you know, the conversation turns to a recent trip they took. Um, they had heard some friends were going to Europe uh, and they they didn't want to miss out. So they decided to figure out a way to take the kids uh, on for a couple of days uh, for a trip that really wasn't in the budget, but they wanted to make sure they were able to make it happen. And as the conversation turns to, you know, their long-term financial planning or their financial planning in general, uh, we hear the same comments that, you know, we, we make really good money. Uh, we just don't seem to have any left at the end of the month. Um, and, you know, I, I have a plan through work that I'm saving into for retirement, but I'm not exactly sure what it's worth. And we're putting a few dollars each month into a 529 plan. So hopefully we'll be all okay for college. Now, if you can empathize with this situation, you, you realize that there's probably an awareness that um, they're not doing everything they need to do for the future, but they also don't want to have to address it or admit it just now. Um, you know, they're really focused on living for today and making sure they are enjoying themselves and you know they're, all they're working for, um, and they'll you know they'll they'll figure out a way to make things work out down the road. They don't need to have every step of the plan mapped out and they they definitely aren't going to agonize over you know pennies um you know when it when it comes to the end of the month so when you compare this attitude to the you know the individuals that we were talking about in the last episode that tended to be more anxious and stressed about money on a day-to-day basis um, there's not a right or a wrong it's just for you as an individual to understand how you approach money and, you know, how, you know, be honest with your thought process and really where you fall in the spectrum. Um, and also being able to identify it and make smart, sound decisions that will align with, you know, the way you want to use and leverage your resources. The other challenge uh, for individuals that may have this perspective is that, 
you know, not everyone was ingrained with a disciplined approach to savings, to investing, to, you know, budgeting. Um, and a lot of these skills aren't taught in, you know, high school or in colleges. So uh, you may have a PhD from an impressive university, but, you know, the idea of having to manage money or managing your own expenses is sometimes a new task for a 30, 35 year old individual. Um, and one that, you know, can create stress and anxiety and, uh, you know, sometimes it's easier just to avoid or ignore. So if you feel like you are one that tends to maybe overspend, I'm going to share with you what I've observed in my 20 years is kind of the eight areas that clients tend to overspend. And if you can kind of itemize your bigger expenses into one of these eight categories, then you could use a couple of the steps I'm going to give you to you know, really make smart decisions with how you allocate your resources moving forward. So the first of those eight areas is the home uh, or a luxury home. You know, people tend to you know, sometimes invest more than they really should or can afford to in the home. Uh, the second is your car and the way you get you know, to and from places. Uh, the third is travel, uh, you know, more luxury or, or uh, enjoyment travel as opposed to work or business travel. Uh, the fourth is dining and entertainment, and this would encompass you know, ball games, uh, movies, shows, plays, things like that. The fifth is shopping uh, and the clothes and you know, you know, the gifts and various things that uh, you might enjoy buying. Uh, the sixth would be memberships. It could be social or country club or yacht club memberships, but basically uh, you know, experiences that you create you know, in your community or locally. Um, the seventh, uh, I'll call them toys. They could be a boat, an RV, an ATV, jet skis, you know, things that uh, you know, really make your weekends a little more enjoyable. Uh, even though they are sometimes not the most practical expenses. Uh, and then finally, pets. Uh, you know, dogs, uh, ponies, uh, you know, rare animals, um, you know, things that, uh, you know, don't always fit into, uh, you know, the normal budgeting item. And like I said, uh, not for a second am I telling people they should not have any or all of these expenses or these items. But it's basically understanding, you know, how you view these these items, what they mean to you, and your your short term happiness, your long term financial success, and how you can combat some of the, you know, the the roadblocks that might be in your way to, you know, kind of, you know, make sure you're using your resources for what's right for you at this time. One one area to be aware of, or to at least be conscious of, is what I like to call the subscriber model. And now. People that you know design programs and products and you know marketing and pricing these products, they're smart and they understand what people are willing to pay and what they're not willing to pay. So a lot of a lot of our monthly expenses, you know, they kind of turn into these recurring expenses. So I don't want to spend a thousand dollars for an iPhone, but thirty-seven dollars a month, yeah, I'll pay you thirty-seven dollars a month. Um, I don't necessarily want to spend you know, $2,000 on something, but 60 bucks a month. Yeah, I can do 60 bucks a month. And you end up having a lot of these recurring expenses. um, And some of them are so small that you don't even recognize them on your credit card bill or even think that it's worth taking the time to cancel. Um, But a lot of times when people are trying to figure out what they can afford, they look at their net paycheck and they say, oh, you know, it's only a few extra bucks. I can afford that. And they end up with a lot of these uh, unnecessary expenses that don't necessarily, you know, improve their quality of life or make them feel better today, but it's sucking away their ability to save and, and you know, look, you know, put money away for the future. 
So if you're the type of person that likes to have nice things, and assuming you're not a Mark Zuckerberg where you know resources are not an issue, um, sometimes you have to make some challenging choices about what to spend on and what not to spend on so that you at least have an opportunity to be prosperous down the road. Um, so I'm going to walk you through a couple of examples of things I would suggest you do and how to kind of maybe think through your, your purchasing decisions so that you can weigh your spending versus your saving habits. The first assessment I would challenge everyone to do is to do a little self-assessment and even a partner assessment as well if it's uh, part of the exercise. Um, so if you were to take the eight areas that I just mentioned, those eight large spending areas, and put them on a sheet of paper and rank them one to eight. You're number one. If you had an extra dollar, what you'd want to spend it on to the number eight, you know, the one that's probably the least important to you and one you could easily cut out to, you know, move up some money to number one. Uh, and if you have your significant other or partner or friend do the exact same exercise, you know, it should, it should help you understand what's truly important to you, but also by seeing your partner's list, you might realize that, you know, some of our discussions or disagreements about money aren't because, um, you know, we don't agree on things. It's just we want things uh, in a different order uh, and kind of where we put our emphasis on our spending, uh, you, know, you, know, you know, can create some, some friction. But being aware of where the other person's priorities are may help you come to more of a compromise on, on how you spend your discretionary spending. The second thing is when you're dealing with discussions, and one of the things we help clients address is, okay, we need a car. Uh, is a car a need or a want? Uh, for most people, a car is a need. You need a, a, a way to get from point A to point B, whether it be to work, to school, to see family. Um, but there's a lot of different cars that can fill that need. So a Toyota Corolla could probably get you from point A to point B, uh, but it's definitely not one you're going to be posting pictures on Instagram about owning and uh, bragging to your friends that you're going to drive them around in. Um, now, a BMW is a car that you know can also fill that need, but might also check off some boxes in the wants list. You know that luxury vehicle, foreign engineering, more speed, more handling, uh, better prestige for work or for when you're you know showing off to family or what have you. Um, so you know, the first thing you need to ask yourself when it comes to make a big ticket item is, is this a need or a want? Um, and you, know, you can kind of then start to frame your discussion from there. The second thing we always challenge clients is can you afford it? So let's use the house, for example. So you're looking at two houses and you, know, you, you went to your mortgage uh, professional and they said, okay, you're approved for a mortgage anywhere between $350,000 and $550,000. So the first house you look at is four hundred thousand, and it's nice, and it you know it has the number of rooms you need, and a kitchen, and running water, and a decent backyard, and you know some some good bones to it. Um, but it doesn't have a lot of the bells and whistles. And then you go look at a house that's five hundred fifty thousand dollars, and it's got everything you want, every bell and whistle you could possibly imagine. Um, and you know what? My mortgage person said I can afford it. Let's do it. Um, but what you have to be aware of is when, when you're overspending on luxury items or bigger ticket items, sometimes there's ancillary costs that come with that expense. So in addition to a larger mortgage payment, your homeowner's insurance might cost more and your real estate taxes might cost more. And the uh, kind of keeping up with the neighbors and landscaping and other items might cost more. Uh, you know, there might be more windows and more blinds and more furniture that you have to buy. So all these little expenses uh, go into the factor of can I truly afford it? 
So, you know, you've, you have to ask yourself, one, is it a need or a want? Um, two, can I really afford it? So I really want that bigger home, but when I look at, when I look at it, I don't think I can truly afford it, all the extras that might come along with it, and especially if there's any type of change in our income or in our lifestyle. And then the third thing you want to ask yourself is, is this the right time? So let's use the home or a, a vacation opportunity. Some things will pop up and the, the things that you have to do now or that opportunity will not exist for a while or for a long time to come. And regardless of the price, you might just choose to act or have to overpay to make that a reality. But sometimes there's things that, you know what, you, you know you want them, but you know what, I can wait three to six months. I can do a little competitive shopping. I can see if that, uh, you know, that opportunity might get a little bit cheaper because I believe there's going to be more supply than there is demand in the future. Um, so understanding the timing and, and how urgent your decision needs to be will also impact how, how you spend and, you know, and, and you know, how much you end up investing in that decision. Since clients will often ask me, uh, of the eight, what's the best one to spend my money on? Where should I, where should I really focus on? And you kind of know the answer by now if you've listened to any other of my podcasts is, is it depends. And we like to try to fa- phrase these, these items not so much as uh, expenses or spending, but investments. Um, and they may not be investments in the traditional, they're going to grow and be worth more money in the future. But they're investments in your happiness, they're investments in your financial well-being and your family's uh, you know, peace of mind. So you know, when you think about where to invest a dollar, in some times, in some years, the best place to invest that dollar is going to be in a long-term savings plan that will prosper you for retirement. In other times, the best place to invest that dollar is in a vacation for your family because that's what you need at this moment and um, you've worked hard for it and you've uh, put off some other things so that you can make that vacation affordable. Um, so like I said, you know, when it comes to your money and, and how you choose to spend it, there are no right or wrong answers that you just have to make sure that you've asked yourself the right questions so that you're going to feel confident in your decisions. And that when you look back six to 12 months from now and the decisions that you made, you're not going to have a lot of second guessing to do. You know what? You realize there were trade-offs and that, you know, maybe you could have done things differently, but either they, what was right for you in that moment uh, and that it was in alignment with, with uh, you know, all the other people that were involved in the decision-making process. So hopefully you have a, a better way to kind of organize your thinking about big-ticket items and uh, you know, not, not be so intimidated by the idea of budgeting and, and uh, you know, managing your expenses for the future. Now, I hope you can apply some of what you heard today to improve your relationship with money. And thanks again for listening. Until next time, I'm Great Points with Matt Schroeder. Great Points is hosted by Matt Schroeder. Great Point Wealth Advisors is a registered investment advisory firm regulated by the Securities and Exchange Commission in accordance and compliance with the securities laws and regulations. Great Point Wealth Advisors does not render or offer to render personalized investment or tax advice through Great Points. The information provided is for informational purposes only and does not constitute financial, tax, investment, or legal advice.